Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you along with our producer and co-host Chris Whitler. Howdy. Uh, great to have you with us and uh, also our faithful prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey with us as well. He's here this time. He is here this time. Last time, yeah, we were, you weren't here. And, uh, well, that's, we know, yeah, cause we don't want to show, we don't want it to be said of this show that we don't have a prayer. And, uh, so it was good that you were, you were interceding us for us from, from afar, right? And, uh, in just a couple of minutes, our guest tonight, Gary Aurelia, and we'll be talking with him in, in just a couple of moments about a very important subject. And, uh, we encourage you to pass this information along to others that you may know at the end of the broadcast. By the way, friends, just a, um, a reminder here at Lighthouse Live and Advancing Vibrant Communities in order to Complete and respond to Jesus' command to love your neighbor as yourself. You can check our website. There are some three to four hundred opportunities to serve. Many, many, many. Many, many, many up there right now. You can go to our website at vibrantcommunities.org, vibrantcommunities.org, and look at our uh, website. Click on Meet a Need Today, and you'll see the Meet the Need technology there at work. And, uh, again, we encourage you to respond to that because a lot of people in need, and they need to feel the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ up close and personal. And, of course, you are his ambassador. We encourage you again to check out that website. Let's check in real quickly now with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with a challenge for Jesus freaks. In recent attacks, radical Muslim rebels in the Philippines are becoming even more bold shooting randomly and launching mortars into three Christian villages. About 160 Christians were forced to flee, leaving behind their personal belongings, cattle, and crops to be harvested, including bananas and the rubber tree yield. The Voice of the Martyrs is supporting these refugees with medicine, sleeping mats, blankets, and mosquito nets, and requests your prayers that the light of the gospel shine on the Muslim rebels, and bring transformation in their lives. For more, go online to persecution.com. And back with you here, 
live on Lighthouse Live. And just a reminder to not only pray for the persecuted church around the world, but uh, there are needs in our own communities that we need to be praying for as well. And uh, Chris, last week at uh, Mission Greater Modesto, our uh, prayer time where we meet weekly on Wednesdays to pray, we had the opportunity to hit the streets yes. and uh, and pray around the west side of Modesto. And you know what we were talking about today, Chris? There's something about being right where the action is, those places where the shootings occur, those places where the students are. You know, we prayed for uh, one one uh, woman with a couple other pastors who's actually on her deathbed, and mm. there's just nothing like being out there because that, that's where Jesus would be. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a buddy of mine uh, likes to talk about we we use the term stand in the gap, and it's from the Bible in regards to intercession and prayer. Mm. Um, and often uh, we don't like really stand yeah. in the places where um, you know God's kingdom is wanting to come. You know, uh, and so it's good to to go and actually stand in the gap, like to be right in the place where uh, you want to see God to do His work, and it's a connection for you. Well, I think uh, one of the brothers mentioned today that uh, there were some children there who were asking their mother, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. You know, she said, well, they're, they're praying yeah. know, for the community. And just a, a powerful way to get in connection with what God is doing, because as our friend Michael Wright often says, God's up to something. Yes. And it's uh, it's good to be out there to see what, uh, what he's doing. Yeah. By the way, if you're in the uh, greater Modesto area, Stanislaus County, our next prayer walk will be on Wednesday, October 9, Wednesday, October 9. We're going to meet at Wellspring Church at 9th and H, mm-hmm. and we're going to walk over to uh, the Arch, the Water, Wealth, Contentment, Health uh, Arch. What was the slogan that they originally wanted back in the like? Well, it, I, I believe it was a vote. They put it, it to the citizens as far as what they wanted the Arch to say, and it said the one that got voted was nobody's got Modesto's goat. That's right. Nobody's got Modesto's goat. That would be hard to fit on the arch. I'm sure glad they didn't. Of course, those weren't the same people who voted the name of our baseball team to be the nuts. Now, no, that, yeah. that's, that's a whole other thing. It's a great baseball team. Love it. But the, the nuts, you know, but you have to understand we're an agricultural community. You know, somebody listening to us from Lower Slobovia is wondering, right. why would they name their team that? <laughs> just, Do we have listeners in Lower Slobovia? Oh, absolutely. Well, we have them all over the place. Absolutely. Hey, and, well, speaking of prayer, another thing, uh, by, by the way, if you're interested in that prayer walk, you can give us a call here at uh, Advancing Vibrant Communities and Lighthouse Live. Be happy to tell you about it. You can give us a call at 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. And, uh, and speaking of prayer, opportunity coming up next uh, week, Chris, on Wednesday, uh, the 25th, uh, and it is the annual See You at the Poll, and we're yes. going to hear Brad Dacus in just a moment talk about that, but uh, you're you're involved in organizing some pastors and youth leaders to, to participate in that. Well, right? I meet every week uh, with a group of youth workers that get together for coffee uh, here in Modesto, and uh, we, we meet every Thursday morning, and uh, yeah, we're trying to have a youth pastor at every campus or cover as many campuses as we can for the see you at the pole event. This is a time where, uh, students, uh, can, uh, meet at the flagpole and here, mm. here in Modesto, because schools start at different times, 
they just say an hour before school starts. All right, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, next Wednesday on the 25th, uh, all students can gather at their, uh, flagpole, uh, to pray for their school mm. and, uh, the neighborhoods that they're in and also to see who the other kids are in their school that are Christians. Yeah, and uh, to be able to connect with the Bible club and uh, get in get involved, so yeah, it's a it's a good event. I don't know who to blame this on because a lot of people throughout history have been blamed for the saying, but uh, prayer being the slender nerve that moves the mighty hand of God, mm-hmm. and just powerful when uh, when kids are out there praying for their fellow students, for the teachers, for the campus as a whole. Powerful time. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's find out a little bit more about this from our friend Brad Dacus at the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Pacific Justice Institute wants to commend and encourage all the students who will be at the flagpole of their schools later this month. This event is usually celebrated in September by thousands of students in middle and high schools across the country. They gather voluntarily around the flagpole to proclaim their faith and seek Christ's guidance, protection, and wisdom for the school year. As the educational environment seems to grow more hostile towards religious expression, it is a brave thing that these students do on the See You at the Pole Day. PJI is proud to defend that right. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And appreciate the work that Brad and his folks do, uh, usually pro bono, uh, up and down the state and around the country as uh, as well. Chris, a privilege tonight to have a longtime friend, uh, Gary Aurelia, uh, join us here on Lighthouse Live and, mm-hmm. and delving into a subject tonight that we just need to unpack and find out some of the exti- exciting stuff that's, that's going on to deal with issues surrounding mental illness mm-hmm. and especially how the body of Christ ought to be responding, uh, to the issue. And, uh, Chris, why don't you introduce our guest tonight and Gary, we'll get right to it. Well, this is Gary Aurelia. He's, uh, a, uh, a brother in Christ. He, he attends my church. Uh, we go to church together. And, uh, I first met Gary not, not through church or anything like that, but I, I, I met him across a delicious chicken fried steak. And, and, and where might that have been? <laughs> it's in Salida. Gary, uh, runs a restaurant there. And he serves uh, one of the best breakfasts in town. Well, and, let's uh, let's let's tell us the name of that restaurant. Salida there. Country Kitchen. Salida Country All Kitchen. Right. Where is that in Salida? It's Gary? downtown Salida. If you can get to Salida, you can get to Salida Country <laughs> Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll smell the fryer, yeah, uh, working overtime as it tries to cook those. And chicken no kind of counter calories once you're there. Just come and enjoy yourself. You know. Now, if you're trying to Google Map this, and you are in Lower Slobovia, it's a long trip. <laughs> yeah. to Salida yeah. from Lower Slobovia, yeah. or even Upper Slobovia. <laughs> Modesto. It's if you're in Modesto or not, yeah. not, not too bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Gary, it's uh, it's a privileged honor to have you uh, with us, and and tell us about this this wonderful uh, ministry that you're involved in, and and start to unpack some of the important things that we need to know. Um, well, first of all, I'm, I am glad to be here and to get the word out because as uh, no matter, we have 25 percent. 
25% of our population is suffering with a diagnosed mental illness. Mm. That's a lot of people. What's Modesto? 200,000? Mm-hmm. So what's yep. that? Who's the mathematician here? That's a lot of people out there yeah. with mental illness. Yeah. And, and yet it's, it's a hidden illness. I think people are, uh, the stigma is, is the hardest part of it. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to say they have it. Uh, no one wants to help people with it. And no one's a big word, so that, that's not right. But, uh, not as many do. Um, I had the opportunity for about the last three years to go to Modesto High on their day of respect and talk about mental health. Mm. And, uh, the first year I just didn't know how to respond to the kids or what to do because it was just silence. <clears throat> so what I do now, I tell everybody before I leave is to get out a piece of paper and write my number down and I put my number on the board because I figured that way no one in the class can say, oh, you wrote his number down. You know, everybody has to uh, do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put a stack of my cards on the teacher's desk or something. They're leaving. No one ever takes any. But when I'm going to the next class, I get stopped about in between every class, mm-hmm. half a dozen kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot your card. Can I have it? Mm-hmm. And so there's just that stigma among themselves. And so I think that's the biggest part of mental health and dealing with it is acceptance. Um, it's just not accepted. Even within the body of Christ. Uh, oh. it's, it, and, and I think, you know, Gary, it's when I was a staff pastor for a while, a rookie, you know, uh, a <laughs> long time ago, I'm the, sorry. The, the, uh, <laughs> it was about four years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, being, being the new kid on the block, why they <clears throat> sent me everything and, and I became the pastor of Eclectic Ministries there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the things that I struggled with is, man, am I really equipped? You know, to deal with folks coming in that are, that are struggling with mental health issues. Yes. And, you know, it occurred to me one night, you know what? Somebody comes in with a broken arm. You can see it. You don't hide it. Right. Right. And, and you go to the doctor and, and you, you, you have some type of treatment to fix it. Or if you have a virus or you have a, a bacteria working yeah. in your body, you take certain medications to, to deal with that. But when it comes to, mental illness issues or maybe there's some serotonin issues or whatever it might be the chemistry's not right suddenly well it, it, suddenly we we take a different perspective on that what what's happening that is helping the body of Christ and congregations to begin to deal with this is the same way that they deal with a broken arm or a virus yeah well one of the things is um awareness and 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 exactly why I'm here tonight because like I said, if we had to reach every person in Modesto, uh, we couldn't do it. Mm. Um, I belong with an organization that I work with, NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Ill. And I'm always amazed if they have a class that you got 25 or 30 people show up. And my wife suffers with bipolar. And it's like, I remember about oh, in the year 2000, I found them. And that's why I went. And I thought, oh, i got to get there early. Mm. And there was no one there. Mm-hmm. And then you figure 25% of the population has it and there's 20 people here? Yeah. There's, so that alone – Shows us, and the church aren't any. It's no different, but it's because of the not knowing. It's lack of knowledge. Um, I, my uh, schedule is is daily with someone. Um, I don't have an office. I usually go to a church that I can find and meet someone there. Jesus kind of did it that way, didn't he? Well, you know, he? as you guys were talking earlier, I thought, you know, that's what I do. <laughs> you know, and people will ask, and once you know, I'm a pastor. Is one? Where's your church? Where do you, where do you, and what church do you, you do you pastor? And, and I tell him, you know what? I, I work for the church <laughs> and, 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 I, Amen, and I'm, I'm out in the streets and, and that's yes. where I am. And, um, Jesus didn't have a car though. 
Well, sometimes I don't either. <laughs> it depends on the day and night. But no. And he probably walked a lot more than I do, too. I don't um, think he had chicken fried steak yeah, either, but that's a whole other issue. Yeah, right. That's another thing. Um, but I don't have to go to the west side of Modesto for mental illness. And, and I, you know, and I can say that's a good news or bad news. I don't know. Um, it's everywhere. You, when you're affecting that, there's no, uh, poor people or old people or young people that's suffering from this. It's just people that have a mental illness disorder in the brain. And, um, I, at the restaurant, I, I, it's probably my place of ministry. Mm. I'll be talking to somebody at one table and before somebody will leave, I'm waiting for them to pay and they go, I need to talk to you first. And I heard, I heard you talk mental illness. I got a call yesterday from a young man, 22 years old. He's been suffering since he was 17 in his church, in the choir mm-hmm. and not dealing with it at all. Hasn't even ever been to a doctor before. And, um, what do you think, further. what do you think blocks, um, Christian people from, um, addressing mental illness? Is it fear? Is it, um, are we just as bound to the stigma as, as everyone else? Like what, why, Hasn't the church been more vocal? You know, partly what you say is true. We, we're no different than anybody else. But the biggest part is lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Lack of knowledge. Um, pastors don't know. They don't teach mental illness in school of theology. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if someone calls a church, and ha- which 25% of the people reach out to their church first. Mm. And a pastor, no more than you said, Mike, they're going to pray with them. And now what do you do? What Take two do? prayers and call me in the morning. Exactly, you know. They don't know. One of my goals is, as soon as I, the Lord quit sending me all these people with mental illness, is to get to the churches. Let them just, with knowledge, information. Right. Call NAMI. Call Telecare in the county. You know, there, there's help for you. You know, Gary, I think one of the things, too, that I ran across, and, and you know, there's just a delicate balance uh, with, with all of this. We do re- recognize that there is... Um, dynamic oppression uh, oppression and possession and and all of that but we can very quickly label people and say well if you just go through the seven steps you you yeah. won't have that condition anymore and we're, we're not taking into consideration might not be that uh, oppression or that influence might be there's a chemical issue and and believe me friends i am not advocating over medication here at all don't no, misunderstand I, I me but there are times you when need- medication is 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 needed and I appreciate, Chris, your, your probing question there because I do think that we need to equip somehow the body of Christ to start dealing with these issues in a more constructive, more knowledgeable way because, yes. as you said, when we don't know, when there's lack of knowledge, there's fear, right? Yeah, and, and you know, right, anybody that has diabetes needs insulin, they're going to take it. Right. Yeah. There's not even a question about that. Right. And there may be few, some people who just aren't going to take medication, but that, that's a very small percentage. So why would you not take medication if it helps and if it needs to be done? I think on the other hand, there's some doctors out there. Okay, who's in next? Yes. Oh, yeah, here, you're, you're bipolar depressed. Take these and I'll see you in a month. So there's that part of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, again, I think that knowledge, if we can get people to know and understand, uh, just about the Christian part of it, I had a, a woman call me about a month ago, absolutely hysterical, just I'm trying to slow her down so I can just, so I'm praying that she's talking to me, which was a good thing and a bad thing because I didn't know what she was saying. Finally, what her problem was, she had a son who was like 28 and had paranoid schizophrenia. Mm. And the church knew it. He was just kind of, you could recognize sometimes in some people, but I guess it caused a, a, a scene at the church one Sunday. So she took him and they helped her and they escorted him out of church and they left church. So she went home. So she was really upset. Two days later during the week, there was a knock on the door and her son goes, Mom, Pastor, so-and-so's here. She goes, thank you, God, you know. 
they were there. They sat down with her, and he had one of the elders with her and told her not to come back to the church. Oh, mm-hmm. oh boy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, that, that's so hard. When I get those calls, I, I, I just, I, I just think, okay, Christians, you know, how could we do this? However, if they don't know that, and the rest of the congregation is all upset because this person had an outburst, Wow, we're not we're not very compassionate. We're not mm. understanding. So why would you go in the church and tell anybody you had a child or a husband or a wife that had a mental illness if they're going to respond to that way? Well, I think Gary, there's an element too that we need to look at, and I, I learned at because the, one one of something I remember have have implemented in in the ministry God has called me to for many many years are the words of the great theologian Dirty Harry, who once <laughs> said, "A man's got to know his limitations." Yes, and I soon learned. I don't have to be able to solve your problem. Right. If if you've got a, a deep marital issue, you know what? There are some fine believing Christian counselors who are trained to deal with this in town. And if you have a mental illness issue, if you're dealing with bipolar issues, I can help you to a certain degree, but mm-hmm. I cannot help you. And I need to be upfront about that as a shepherd and say, you know what? I don't know how to do this, and I need to be able to refer you to someone who can get you the help that you yeah, need. Yeah, and that's great. That alone is great. But I think the first step is people knowing that they can go to you. Ah, and be safe. And be safe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, most times the age between 14 and 25 was when mental illness will strike a person. And it, it, you think that, wow, that's odd. But it's because at 25 is when our brain is totally developed. Hmm. You wouldn't know if you had a mental illness. That part of your brain wasn't necessarily needed yet. If you had a baby, you would not know that baby couldn't walk until the baby would be, what, 10 months old, a year old? Well, nowadays we have x-rays and things, but you wouldn't know it. Hmm. And when you think about that, and a big, big thing is, is that high school change. Because no matter how rebellious a kid may be, they're at home, there's rules, there's regulations, you can't do this, you can't do, you know. Well, now you're off to college and it's all you. Now you're using a part of your brain you never had to use before. Mm. And many, many students just, bam, it hits them, the illness gets them that. And the part of the brain it affects is just, and I'll read this off the NAMI brochure. And it says, mental illness is a medical condition that disrupts the person's thinking, feelings, mood, ability to relate to others, and daily functioning, often resulting in diminished capacity for coping with the ordinary demands of life. Now, who wants to deal with that person that's in that condition? Mm. And they're not being able to communicate back to you because they're not getting it. Well, Gary, let, let's talk about your journey. Uh, you said that your wife mm-hmm. had been diagnosed uh, as having bipolar condition. Yeah. What did you feel when, uh, when you heard that? And, and how did you start on this road to <laughs> dealing with press, all that? I mean, you know, <laughs> um, whenever I give a, a seminar or a talk, I always say, in my opinion, because I don't know if there's any documented proof of this, that mental illness is the only disease that the love of a family caretaker inherits. Because hmm. if your family is suffering with confusion, depression, anxiety, when you live with the person with that, you are depressed, anxious, hmm. confused, um, all those. So it's really hard. You now inherit that. Now, of course, it's not. It's not a. It's not a clinical depression. It's a situational depression that you would get into. Mm-hmm. And. Um, but it's still there with you. But it's all still the time. there with you all the time. Yeah. And anything I say, I surely, I always clarify this too. My wife has no problems with me talking about her or anything else. Sure. In fact, when I go to a church and, and do a sermon on it, she's always in the front row, and she usually gives me notes. 
<laughs> tell them this because this week she went through yeah. something. She just tell yeah, them. Sure, you know, So and, and and she's just a great advocate for that, and but yet still suffers with it. Um, I was a regional vice president for a hotel chain of Northern California, doing quite well. And wife suffering, and I, and I was suffering because if I was at work. I needed to be at home because she was home alone and she shouldn't be. And if I was home, it's like, okay, what about sales? And blah, 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 blah. and I gave it two weeks notice. Mm. I just did that. Little did I know the Lord was yanking at me and saying that this is what you're going to do. And um, I got up the next morning and I was sitting there having coffee and she came out and there. She says, you okay? And I go, yeah. I said, I just don't know if I made the right decision. So it'll be fine. And then she looked at me. She says, you're going to go in the ministry, aren't you? Mm. I went, I, I don't know. <laughs> Bless her heart. She says, as long as we don't go into a foreign country and I have to eat bugs, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> but been through the, the suicide attempts, and what do you do with that? I mean, there are no emotions that I can tell anybody if they have a loved one um, that goes through that. And to take them down to the, the, a lockdown and, and leave them there. Um, the first time my wife was ill, she was over out on um, the, 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 where the drug rehab thing is now. In series, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it used to be a mental health facility, mm-hmm. and I could describe it much as one flew over the cuckoo's nest if everybody saw that. So just mm-hmm. going in there and leaving there was just an absolute nightmare for me. Mm-hmm. Now it, it, there's a, a big change in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other story I will, I will share, and it, it's um, <clears throat> if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at work, and it was a couple, three years ago, and she kept calling me at work, which she just doesn't do. She, I just need to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice. Okay, babe, da 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 so about 3 o'clock, I called. We were closing, and no answer, no answer. I thought, this is not good. No answer, no answer. So I got to go. So I left. I got home, and the Lord just gave me kind of a uh, warning, I guess, for lack of a better word. And I opened the house, and my wife was laying on the floor, unconscious, mm. um, naked, and in my opinion, dead. Mm. Um, I didn't call 911 right away. I just laid on her and cried. You know? And then I called 911, and... Um, they got there very, very fast. Um, they didn't get her conscience when she left, but she was breathing. No matter how you, much you're prepared, my friends, for any mm. of this, you're not. Yeah. I could not go home that night. My daughter came out with me. It took me about a week just to walk in that house and not turn every light on. I had no idea what that was going to do, but I had to do that. Mm. And where she was, I would step over. I would not step on that part. Well, she had, was in the shower, then was wandering around, and then collapsed and too much medication and stuff like that mm. um it's hard to live with and it, it's not something people can understand and, and i could share this story with you guys and today over the air because my wife knows that we want to help anybody that can go through that mm. and there is help only through understanding and through prayer and the lord are we going to get through this but we got to get it out there we got to the young man that called me yesterday in fact, I met him over at New Hope. He met me over there. And we pretty, was, I think, 22. Been dealing like this since he was 17. Yeah. And it is not something we can just shake off. Yeah. Let me just give you guys a few words and see where it gets you. Um, uh, Colorado, uh, the Naval Station, Navy Yard, yeah. your finances, your job, your kids on drugs or not on drugs, your wife not losing her. You know what? That's a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. And if you could feel when you sit there in the evening and you're sitting in your chair and thinking of all those things and that feeling you get, many people wake up with that feeling and have absolutely no idea why or how or anything. Just that depressed feeling that there's nothing, absolutely nothing in, their, in them 
They don't feel anything. And can you imagine going to school now and doing that? Mm. Can you imagine going out with your friends? That's how they lose their friends because they're, there's nothing inside them. So the family uh, being the primary either caregiver or primary recipient of the manifestations of, of the mental health issues really needs a whole support system in and of yes. itself, right? Yes, And I, I always felt that's what the Lord was calling me to is that, mm. the families. I lived it. That I lived. Live with her and I really understand mental health because all I've been through, but I still don't live it. Maybe a little OCD and ADHD in there, you know, but... um Unless you live it, you, you just don't know it. And they don't understand. And I'll imagine anybody that's listening has a teenage son that every father says, get off your tush and go mow the lawn. Mm-hmm. You know, you, did, you didn't sleep all night. We heard your radio all night. And now you're, it's noon and you're sleeping. Get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And that young man doesn't have a clue what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, how can um, congregations... Be supportive of families that are touched with mental illness. Knowledge. I know I keep saying that yeah. over and over, yeah, but it's, it's, it's really knowing what they're going through, and it's getting yeah. better. Because, um, uh, again, I went to several churches and said, you know what? You have every day or every Sunday, whenever you get up there and you pray, you're praying for whoever has heart disease, whoever's had a heart attack. You'll mention their name. You'll say so-and-so has cancer. We need to pray for them. I never hear anybody say, let's play for Mrs. Barnes, who's going through severe depression, mm-hmm. or for her son, who's in high school and they can't, I haven't seen him in five days, mm. or committed suicide. We don't do that yet. Gary, let me let me ask you about this. Um, one of my roles is is a law enforcement chaplain, both for the sheriff's department and the police department, and I have noticed an extraordinary amount of suicides and attempted suicides, astonishing me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it is it. Just me, or are we experiencing a higher level than uh, of those incidents that we used to? Um, I don't have any facts that, that it's a higher level, but I think um, one of it is back um, knowledge of it. I think years ago, um, I'll tell you, we talked about mental illness being new. We all heard of old Aunt Lulu who was locked in the basement. No other reason. Don't go down there because that's where old Aunt Lulu is. Right. She was probably bipolar or severely depressed or mm. something. And so now I think it's the same thing. Um, I, I, I had a, a mother, I don't want to tell these stories because I hope they're powerful enough to make sure. people understand it. And I worked with her son. He was, um, 23, two years ago, this September, he, 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 he died, um, because of mental illness. Uh, pretty, pretty severe, um, in and out of drugs, in and out of jail, just, he would be home and he wouldn't. And it, that mother just worked. I mean, everything she could. There's nothing more she could do for him. And at the funeral, she said that I knew from he was a little kid, I would have never had him long. Just there was something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. But she says, because of you, Gary, I had him longer. Mm-hmm. And um, that's hard to take. Number one, it's not because of me. It's because of what God does or who he uses. But to live that, can you imagine just living like that? You just know your children's not going to make it in life because of their illness. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sad. Uh, I was mentioning today at, at prayer, uh, Chris, a good friend of mine, and actually he's been on Lighthouse Live uh, before, and uh, his uh, son committed suicide uh, last year and uh, had been in a, uh, a cult 
and came out of that and, and uh, unfortunately uh, committed suicide some sometime after uh, exiting the cult. And uh, my, my friend described it. He says, you know, I understand now to a deeper degree than I ever did what it means to be crucified with Christ. Mm-hmm. He says, I, I'm just all undone. Yeah. And, you know, mad at God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yelled at God, you cussed at God, yeah. And he said, "Yet yeah, God understands." Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's uh, that's that's the main thing to understand is God understands this, and we, as the body of Christ, need to get better at responding to these issues. And I think, Gary, you're, you know, information is a great, uh, great first step. Before we go on, people may be curious at this point, saying, "Wow, wow, I'd like to talk to Gary, or I'd like to get some more information." How can folks find out more information? Maybe get a hold of you uh, to find out. Um, well, number one, I, my phone number is two zero nine two four seven seven two four two, and I also have a um, email site, and it's uh, Ministry of Shem at gmail dot com. And if there's any pastors out there, call me. I, I just almost enjoy being able to talk to the church because now we got it in there, you know. And again, when I do a sermon over at the church, the first thing I do is sit there and count the people. Hmm. I go, okay, there's a hundred of you here. I'm gonna let you know. Twenty five of you know what I'm talking about. Sure. You're living it. Let me yeah. give that phone number out again, uh, Gary. Two zero nine two four seven seven two four two. That's two zero nine two four seven seventy two forty two. And uh, the email address is Ministry of Shem S H E M at gmail.com. Ministry of Shem at gmail.com. Something coming up in October, right? Yes. So October. And, you know, Let's talk about uh, that. In 1990, I believe the Congress passed of the first full week of October as National Mental Health um, and Awareness Week, and with that, they picked the first uh, Tuesday for National Day of Mental health praying and so for about the last five or six years i've been going to different churches i've been to a uh, new hope uh, mabel avenue pastor green's church and to, again trying to get it in the community and this year we're going the to be Al's at, church down at the methodist church oh yes the methodist mm-hmm. church a couple of years so mm-hmm. downtown and so we're at well springs church in modesto on 8th Street, it's the corner of H and 9th. Ninth. Mm-hmm. We'll be there this Tuesday, 7 o'clock. And, um, Tuesday eight. the 8th. What did I say already? You said this Tuesday. Coming the up. The 8th, 8th of October. <laughs> of October. Yeah. The 8th, 8th of, of October. October. Yeah, we're, not, <laughs> we're not quite there yet. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. I have, <laughs> yes. And you know what? My friends, it, it, the power of prayer. Yeah. And, and we need to gather again. That church be so full. There should be. Uh, we need to break up and, and pray in, in groups of people that have specific needs. You now, that's seven p.m. Seven p.m. Okay, October eighth, Tuesday evening, at the um, Well Springs Church on Ninth and H. That's right. Exactly. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have music. We'll have worship. We'll have testimonies. We'll have information. And, um, you know, that's the time, you know, pastors should be showing up there in, in Groves Full too to just gather what they can to help their congregation. I was just looking at some notes I have here and it's, this is about 200, 2007 and it says suicide is the 11th leading cause of death in the United States. Wow. Hmm. And, um, more than 90% of those who died by suicide have been diagnosed with mental illness. So there's other reasons also. Um, 
uh, 24% of state prisoners and 21% of local prisoners have recent history of mental illness. So it, they're really mirroring the population. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, um, homeless, I believe, I don't have the thing, I think it's like 75% of homeless yeah, people the, are well, suffering. Well, that's the stat I heard. And let, let's park on that for a minute, Chris, yeah. uh, because I, I know that you, you deal with so many hurting folks on, on South 9th Street and, and mental illness, mental health issues among the homeless is rampant mm-hmm. and you know often it, it, it looks like a mountain that's way bigger than we can climb mm-hmm. you know so what, what are some of the ideas for especially those ministries that deal with the homeless how can they begin to deal with these mental health issues in a very constructive way well i mean the th- the thing that we have seen um uh just bear fruit with people mm-hmm. and to to have people uh uh come come up out of some of the the dark spirals they go down is is just the power of friendship mm-hmm. um being having people that are willing to go and walk alongside people and um to to help them in their illness um we we were just with a team uh a couple of weeks ago and we helped a guy clean out his uh trailer he he had a, a he has a small little trailer down near south ninth street and you know this guy is a hoarder and he's holding on to so many things that he doesn't need to and it's cluttering up his life mm-hmm. and it was a difficult process he had a hard time mm-hmm. letting go of some things in fact he called me the day after we did it and said where's my phone books you know he had like <laughs> so many phone books he, we didn't even know how many he had and something about having those were comforting to him well and, it was a calling don't send me cards and letters on it. that <laughs> yeah, just popped yeah, out yeah, yeah. and he was quite upset but through friendship you know i was able to go and and talk with him and and just let him know that it's going to be all right. And I took him a phone book <laughs> to start his collection again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's just being willing to walk through mm. the awkwardness with people and let it be there and uh, to not shy away from it. See, just they, that relationship is important, isn't it? I mean, yes, I, I would imagine yes. a lot of people suffering from significant mental illness are alone. That's right. And that's why they're there. You know, and, and, you know, they, the family can only do so much, and all of a sudden it's, it's like, what can you do? Because there's a lot of bad things to come with that. There are the drugs, there are yeah. the, the, all kinds of things, and go on forever, all the wrong things that happen with mental illness, and how can a family deal with that? You, I mean, you gotta take care of yourself. Yeah. When I get with the family, I keep telling them, that's the first thing you gotta do is you better get a plan together to take care of yourself or you're not gonna help them. And at some point it's like, you know what, we can't deal with this no more. Mm -hmm. So they're out there because of their mental illness and they know that, so it's an all bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. And just loving them and caring them and, and they're not, they're pretty sensitive. They know. They, they got their shield up because of who they are and where they are. Sure. Well, now let's talk about what kind of boundaries are healthy as well for the, the believer that goes out and, and uh, maybe the church is, is helping a homeless population and, and, uh, in developing the relationship with someone who has mental health issues, what type of boundaries are there that are healthy to, to put into place? Number one is, is your safety. And you let, they, first of all, mental illness is not a thing that disrupts their IQ. Right. They're intelligent. They're smart. 
It's just the, the world is, is their problem, mm-hmm. you know. And so the, those boundaries, you know, if they get angry, whoa, you, they, no, I'm not going to talk if you're going to be angry and yelling at me. That's just not it. I tell parents all the time, if your kid's breaking windows and throwing things, no, you need to get them down into the center or something. That's unacceptable in your home. That's just so. That's the number one boundary is safety for others, and they understand that. They may get a little carried away, and that's like when you see all these things on TV and too about the person that's mentally ill and anger. In most cases, and I don't have a percent for that. Anybody that has mental illness and has anger had the anger issues first, because hmm. there's a lot of people that are angry who do not have mental illness issues. Right. I mean, hmm. we, we probably all know somebody that has anger issues and is in, and is in a group for it and not have any mental illness. Hmm. So usually that that's not part of the mental illness; it's a part of the person. The mental illness could exacerbate it. But sure. Yeah. Sure. Because yeah. now if you're confused, you don't know, and you don't yeah. think that, well, your, your anger comes out. Yeah. And so, but you're right, setting those boundaries. And number one is, these are the rules. No, you don't. If you're in a home, no, you don't come home when you want to come home. You know? And um, that's tough. It's hard. Uh, I think with me and my wife, it was really, really hard because October First year, we'll be married 47 years. Oh, and, and yeah, really? Thank Good you. For you. Thank you. Awesome. And um, it was around 84 when hers arose and because she had brain surgery and that just triggered a whole bunch of things. Um, but it was until I had my grandkids that I finally set some rules down for us. Me and I go, babe, okay, no, you can't do this today. Now, our daughter won't bring the kids out because you're not feeling good, you're confused, and they don't want to upset you. I don't get to see my grandkids because your illness. I refuse that to happen. Mm. Now, I will take you to your mother's and I'm going to go see my grandkids. So those kind of bound. And it works fine. You know, and she knows. Even if she, if we're over the, if the kids are over the house, my daughter will say, "Mom, I think you better go lay down for a while." So those are the they're just real boundaries, and they have to be them. clearly communicated. Exactly, yeah. and they have to be, you know, like anything else. No, this is the rule all the time. Not sometime, or not if I don't feel like it, or you don't feel like it. Right. But and that's really important. I mean, I told one person one time, and um, he was schizophrenia, and the home had called me, Gary. This guy, he's out of it. Would you please come over here and help us? And I was the worst. I finally got over there, picked the guy up, and I thought we're over here off of UCM. And I thought, okay, get in the car, in the van. I said, let's go out to the Medicinal Reservoir, the water, the calmness that'll that'll help. Well, about halfway over there, he looked at me, wanted to know if I was scared of them, and he was talking to people and just going on and on. Like I said, no, and he said, you well, you should be. I thought, well, maybe we shouldn't be out in Medicinal Reservoir. We better turn around and go back. So I did. He's just, I mean, really out there. And he goes, I'm going to ask you again. Are you? He says, I says, should I be? He goes, yes. Aren't you afraid of us? And I says, no. And I leaned over towards him. I was trying. I said, let me tell you what. I'm only here for one reason because my God sent me here to be with you and help you and love you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think my God's going to let me get hurt. Mm-hmm. I says, number two, I think I can beat your butt. <laughs> and I says, okay, God, really now? <laughs> and it was absolutely fine. That man just stopped. He just says, can I smoke? I go, not in my band. You can't know. You want me to pull over? And he goes, no, take me back. And after that was, Pastor, how you doing? But, you know, so there's those, those rules. There is a certain amount that, that their brain's going, but there's something that brings it back to. Is law enforcement responding in, in better ways now? I mean, I'm, I'm going back. Uh, I graduated from the academy in 79 and, and back then, you know, if someone appeared to be mentally ill, man, you just did the 72-hour thing sure. and you took him down to Norwalk and that was it. Uh, what, what, what strides have been made in terms of government's response to mental illness? Uh, awesome here in, in local. Um, Stanislaus County people have told me they have moved out here because of the mental health facilities and help they get out here because they weren't getting it in other counties. Wow. 
And um, through NAMI, uh, we started up um, several years ago. And I don't know how much they're doing it now, but the, the city of Modesto and the sheriff's departments both just outstanding. And we had a program, and I can't remember what it's called. But we took a 40-hour week of the officers, and they went into a city. They went to the lockdown at the uh, Behavioral Health Center. We had panels of parents who had sheriffs or police come to their house and ruined it. Mm. They went to psychiatrists. They taught the whole 40 weeks of it. And I believe it was volunteered, um, but there was it, was it was a cost to the city and, and, the, and the county no matter what. Already, and this has been a few years, and I think we've done about 20 a year if I had a guess, and, and how many more I'm not totally sure of, but, or even if it's still going so I'm not involved with it. But people will just at NAMI meetings, oh, what a difference. I've had police come. I wouldn't call them for a long time. And now, you know, they're trained. They have staff that can go out on a call. If someone calls for they have a trained person that can go with them. Mm. And so there is some, uh, probably surely not enough because um, as you would know, in many cases, you don't know if the person's mentally ill, just all whacked out on drugs. Right. Mm-hmm. My wife was running down the road one time just screaming and cars honking and everything else. And I told the cop, don't shoot her. I mean, you know, <laughs> and not that they would have, but I mean, it's like, okay, they come and they surround you. What are they supposed to do? You know, I, I think we see, we mentioned right at the top of the program the, the stigmas that, that are attached uh, to mental health. And I, you mentioned the headlines, mm-hmm. the, the Navy Yard yeah. and, and yeah. so many, uh, you know, I mean, Columbine, right, right, all right. these things. I'm not sure that we as, as America respond well to these incidents either in terms of recognizing and saying, you know, this, this may have been one of the possibilities here. Uh, we're sometimes, I, I think we can err both ways. We're quick to make excuses and make it somebody else's problem. But on the other hand, too, maybe we're also ignoring, yeah. you know, what, what may be the, the root cause. Well, I think one of the things with that is, and they'll say, well, this person has a history of mental illness. Okay. Let's get a little logical here. Anybody that's going to take a gun and just open shooting is not all okay. I mean, I don't care how far back you want to go in life and history or whatever they're doing. I don't think men that beat their wives are all okay. A healthy person just doesn't wake up and make that choice. Exactly. So, yes. But when was it? The 60s, 70s when they started closing all the mental facilities? Mm -hmm. And now that's where they're putting them in the jails. And so there's a need. I mean, we need to look at this very seriously now and go back. Um, In California, we passed the Mental Health Service Act. Five years ago, and it, it's world renowned because we did that, and it's taxing those that over make a million for mental health, and the money's controlled by local. So even the politicians didn't like that one because there was no control there. But we were able to get two, three more beds. We needed, were able to do this. We were able to do that with the money. But at the same time, in this county, and this is a sad, sad thing I got to say, there is no youth facility. Mm. And I, I don't know how much I'm going to get another passion I got to go after, but if you have a child, 15 years old, and all of a sudden attempted suicide, well, that's, that's not a happy moment at home. Yeah. But they're going to tell you, now, we're taking your kid to Sacramento. If you want to see your kid, you have to go up to Sacramento. Well, wait a minute. I don't even want to go to work tomorrow. Well, you're taking my kid. Is he alive? Is he dead? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And now I got to communicate all the way to Sacramento to see him or her. We have no facility for youth in this county. Mm. So that's something, I don't know how we're going to get that back or what we have to do. But um, that one I, I'm really concerned about because, you know, when you have that big amount of people that are suicide attempt, you know, 
uh, we need to look at that. And that seems to be a significant number to yes. me, the amount of uh, yeah. young people that yep. uh, are at least attempting. And sure. Sometimes, uh, yeah. sometimes and, 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 you know, parents, churches, they, they don't take that so serious. Oh, no, I really didn't mean it. Yeah, yeah, you did. You said it. Mm-hmm. You, there's a thought in your process. You may not have a plan. You may not be at the edge, but a big percent of those who do it, do it. My wife, when we, the times that she had been to the hospital for a suicide attempt, she says, I wasn't trying to kill myself. I was just trying to get rid of the pain. And I knew if I slept until you got home, I would be okay. Well, she took her pills and she'd wake up and goes, okay, I didn't take my pills today. If I take them, I'll be okay. But it's three o'clock. Gary's not here yet. So she'd take her pills again. You know, now we, we got systems down. So she only gets so many pills a day and stuff. So she wasn't trying to kill herself. But that's probably very much what would have, would have happened. Is it the 10th pill that will kill you? The 11th? The 12th? We don't know that. Mm-hmm. And in, I talk to kids all the time. You know, oh, no, I, I just wanted to sleep. I had to sleep it off. I couldn't take the noises or the feelings or the emotions. Let me get rid of this. Mm-hmm. Well, friends, again, let me give you uh, Gary Aurelius' phone number, uh, 209-247-7242. That's area code 209 247 7242, and you can also contact him via email at Ministry of Shem, that's S-H-E-M, Shem, Ministry of Shem at gmail.com. We were uh, working together, Gary and I, on uh, coming up with ideas for the flyer for the prayer service uh, that's coming up on October 8th. And I just wanted to read mm. a little quote we found from last year's prayer service that we put on the flyer here. And this is really the heart behind us wanting to get the community together to pray for and with the people touched by uh, mental illness. It says, by seeking God's guidance, we can recommit ourselves. I think as a community, as families, as congregations, we can recommit ourselves to replacing misinformation, blame, fear, and prejudice with truth and love Mm -hmm. in order to offer hope to all who are touched by mental illness. Mm-hmm. That's the people who are ill and yeah. their families that, yeah, absolutely. that are Definitely. living with them. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, that's coming up uh, October 8th. That's a Tuesday, 7 o'clock in the evening at uh, Wellspring Church. A good friend, uh, Michael McClanagan, over uh, over there, a senior pastor, and uh, located right by the train tracks Yes, mm-hmm. at uh, 9th and H. In fact, uh, oftentimes when we're praying, why the building shakes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I mean, you can almost reach out and touch that train going, <laughs> yeah. going by, but it's, uh, just, uh, again, friends, we would encourage you, uh, to attend, even if you're curious, if you just like more information, especially if, if you're a ministry leader in your congregation, uh, great information, great time to come before the Lord, and, and Chris, mm-hmm. I think that's just a, a masterful uh, statement as well. Again, that's coming up October 8, and I, I know these broadcasts are archived for years, so we're talking about 2013 here, folks, yeah, right? right? <laughs> October 8, 2013, uh, Tuesday night, uh, 7 o'clock p.m. Again, 9th and H at Wellspring. We invite you uh, to be there. And uh, Gary, as we're uh, bumping the clock a, a little bit here, any other uh, thoughts, any other principles that you'd like to communicate before we leave this evening? You know, there's a, a show, I don't even know if it's on TV anymore, but years ago, The Golden Girls. Yes. Mm. And, and their song said something about being friends and a confidant. And I think that's my ministry. Mm. I can talk to these people that are mentally ill and never talk about mental ill other than praying with them and going with them and listening to them. And they can tell me that they feel however they feel. And they don't have to worry about getting in trouble, feeling bad. And if you're a parent, 
you know, listen. If you're a spouse, listen, because you don't know what their brain's going through. You don't know that it's tweaking out and they don't have a clue what's going on. And, um, you know, and, and people that know me and my wife go, wow, Cheryl's doing so much better. And I go, no, she's not. I am. Mm. I've learned to deal with it. I've learned to accept it. I've learned that I'm not going to cure her. I've learned to pray with her more. Um, uh, Romans 15, 13 is my prayer for everybody, you know, because you cannot be, you know, happy and joyful and be depressed. So, you know, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And, um, like that's my last prayer whenever I work with anybody, except I say, may the God of hope fill you, Chris, with all joy and peace as you trust in him, because you're not going to feel joy and peace and depressed. Hmm. Can't do it. Amen. Well, Gary, normally, uh, we pray for the guest, but I, I want to turn the tables tonight as we close, because I think we need your prayer. Uh, we being the body of Christ, mm-hmm. uh, shepherds within the city, ministry leaders within the city, uh, would you pray for us as leaders? Yes. That we would catch it, uh, that we would pursue the information, and that we would let God work through us as so that we can respond better in his name to issues involving mental health. Yeah. And, and, you know, just on that note, I, I uh, on an ongoing basis, I pastor about four four to six pastors. So this isn't something that's, you know, and that, that they'll call me. I have one pastor. It's like, here, I can't go to the, on the pulpit this morning. Help me. You gotta go. What do you mean? You know, and, and okay, I'll, I'll be in the front row, you know, but they're going through it too. Sure. So they're living it. So, um, yeah, it's there. So <clears throat> Heavenly Father, um, we thank you. We thank you for, for today uh, of the able to get on the, on the, on the radio and, and, and reach so many people. But most of all, Father, we ask you for your help in, in getting people to hear. Mm-hmm. And once they hear, to act on it. And through all our prayers, Heavenly Father, none of them at any point need action. So help us take our prayers and put them to action to help ourselves be stronger, to help us be understanding, not to be afraid of any illness, not to be afraid of a person that's acting different. But when we do pray with people, Heavenly Father, we need to make sure we show love, compassion, understanding. That's what we need, Heavenly Father. And as we're called to serve you, make sure that our heart is full of that. More than anything, Father, just that love and compassionate. And then you will lead us to where we need to be mm-hmm. and helping them in a way they need to be helped. We thank you in your son's precious name, my Lord. Amen. Gary Aurelia, thank you so much for joining us. It's a powerful night tonight. Thank you. Thank guys. you so much for that. Again, the phone number to reach Gary, 209-247-7242. That's 209-247-7242. The email address, ministryofshem at gmail.com. Again, that's ministryofshem at gmail.com. Don't forget, if you're uh, here with us in Stanislaus County, Tuesday, October 8th, 7 p.m. at Wellspring Church, corner of 9th and H. Please join us there. Thank you, Gary. Thank Chris, you. thank you so much. Our uh, printer, Cesar Al, thank you for being here. Look forward to seeing you next time right here on Lighthouse Live.